I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We're, we've got another episode of our, our series that's nonprofits navigating technology. Really excited for this one. I, I think that this is a, an incredible organization that, you know, I, I, I think that it, the community needs to know more about and, and, and play a part in. So here with us today is Avenue Scholars. We've got Mike Avalon and Katie Daigle. I apologize if I said your names incorrectly, but I think we're okay. But today, yeah, we're going to talk about Avenue Scholars, what it is, what you guys do, and how you leverage technology to further um, increase your impact on the community. So if you guys don't mind giving us a brief introduction, Katie, we can start with you, what your name is, what you do, maybe a little background, and then we'll go to Mike, and then we'll go from there. Sure. My name is Katie Daigle. I am the Director of Information and Quality Assurance here at Avenue Scholars. Uh, I've been with the organization six and a half years. I started here as a post-secondary career coach, and then um, when our data person left, I moved into this role in 2020, which has really helped me leverage the understanding of the organization as a whole, the understanding of the day-to-day work, and how to, you know, weave the technology and the programs that we've onboarded to make sure that we are responsible to our stakeholders, still collecting information, but not overburdening our employees in minutia data entry. Sure. Thanks, Katie. Jack, uh, I'm Mike Alvano. Just a correction on the pronunciation. I'm the, the currently the CFO here at Avenue Scholars. I've also served a, a period of time as jointly as a CFO and uh, chief operating officer. I've got uh, almost 50 years of business experience. The last 10 I've spent here at Avenue Scholars started doing work as a CFO on a contract basis. And that has, over the 10 years, has morphed into a full-time CFO level position. Uh, I handle financial operations for, for the Nebraska group. We also have two locations in Iowa, Southwest Iowa, out of Council Bluffs and in Des Moines. And I'm handling the combined efforts, financial efforts in all three of the locations. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for the introductions. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Mike, if you don't mind, whether you or Katie, both of you can jump in, but I think if we could start with Mike, that'd be great. Could you give us an overview of Avenue Scholars' history of where you know what's gotten you here and what you guys do? So Avenue Scholars is, uh, we'll be celebrating our 15th anniversary here in uh, 2023. And it's the brainchild of Dr. Ken Bird, who uh, prior to starting Avenue Scholars, was the superintendent at Westside Community Schools. Ken was approached by a group of prominent local philanthropists 15 years ago to uh, identify a possible education, education-related uh, organization that could make a difference in the Omaha area. And out of those conversations came Avenue Scholars. It's uh, it, it, At its core, we're an organization that works to provide comprehensive and individualized support for students of financial need. We work to help students become career ready through the process of career coaching and matching individual skills and interest to available positions within the community. And simultaneously, 
we try to address the students' needs for gainful employment and, and employers' needs for workers with, within high-demand industries. Those industries are IT, auto diesel, health sciences, business, and the, the trades uh, and advanced manufacturing. So the, that's at the core, that's what we do here in Omaha. We're, we ha- we deal with approximately 800 students uh, on an annual basis that uh, start with our program when they're juniors in high school and, and when they finish their post-secondary career, either at the community college level or when they move into a, a job a full-time job via certification or uh, an associate's degree. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate that overview. Like I said, you know, my, my knowledge of Avenue Scholars is relatively limited, so I'm excited for this conversation. So please feel free to, to, to keep it as dumb it down as simple as possible for me or get as deep as, as you want. I, I know that, you know, you've got three primary programs within Avenue Scholars. Could you go into those a little bit and kind of what those do for you? Technology-wise, um, uh, no, I think I'm talking more of like just the recruiting intern Omaha and, and the details of those, if you could. Yeah. Sure. So I'll I'll start and I'll let I'll let Katie fill in the blanks. We yeah. have a high school program. We're in 11 high schools now in the Omaha metropolitan area, and we provide a career coach at each of those high schools. We and we serve on a daily basis. Uh, upwards of 250 students through our high school program, excuse me, uh, approximately 450 uh, high school. And that's split evenly between juniors in high school and seniors in high school. And then we've got another 350 to 400 at the post-secondary level once they graduate our program. So I would consider our program to be uh, a high school section, what we call a post-secondary section. And then we've got a business outreach group and we've got a, a, a student support group. So those are the, the areas that we, where we're building. That's the, the, the bulk of our program here in Omaha. Katie? And then with, as far as intern Omaha, we, we run a program where our business outreach team recruits local businesses in the industry buckets that we serve to provide our juniors, um, our rising juniors, so they apply during their junior year, they start in the summer and they can, depending on the length of the internship, some of them go all the way through their senior year, begin to get experience in the industry that they are interested in. So if a student is interested in being a mechanic, you know, we're going to partner with a local dealer that can help maybe get them in, get them trained as a lube tech. If they're interested in the sales side, maybe they're on the sales floor learning how that all works. So they're getting paid while learning about the industry and really in a safe, controlled environment, learning soft skills, you know, how to show up on time every day, um, how to talk with my manager. You know, what if I have a problem on the job? and they have an assigned internal hot coordinator that can help them navigate that as well. So it's a great way for them to learn not only skills, but is this industry right for me? You know, they might get in and do their six month internship and go, oh, this is not what I thought it was. This is not at all the job that I want, which is okay too. That's a success as well. We don't want a student to spend years in college studying something that they get out, get their first job and realize, I just wasted all of this time of my life thinking this is what I wanted to do. 
And our career coaches in the high schools and the post-secondary are also doing similar things. We really stress industry-aligned work. So learning is, you know, do, do you want to do this for the next 10, 20, 30 years, the rest of your life, or, or learn that now at 18 and, and pivot? Yeah, I think that's a great point is that sometimes understanding what you don't want to do is sometimes more important than understanding what you do want to do, right? There's plenty of stuff out there and we've got to experience things to cross them off the list. So that's wonderful. And, you know, with enrollment numbers down in college and and, and there's kind of a shift, I think, in in young students focus on what they want to do and how they want to get into the workforce. So I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing. And it sounds like technology has played an important role. So as you're getting into, Katie, if you could help us understand that, that'd be great too. Jack, just before we go on with that question, if if I might interject here, two things about our program that are unique, and I think we should talk about them on the front end. One is that we're not a before school or after school program. We are in the classroom at at the high school level every day, all day, There's an Avenue Scholars class that's taught as an elective in each of the high schools where we're at. And our career, our high school career coaches are available to our students literally on a 24-7 basis. So we're we're coaching within that context. We have a specific curriculum and we're fully immersed in the in the students' lives. We call it intrusive support. That's one very, that's a distinguishable characteristic of our program. I'm not aware, and no one within the multiple walls we have here at Avenue Scholars is aware of a program that's similar to ours nationwide. We're very unique in that respect. The other piece of our program that's important for our students is that once they come into our program as juniors and they want to proceed to certification or an associate's degree within our program, we cover the cost of their post-secondary education. So students who leave our program in good standing should leave our program without one dime of debt associated with their uh, uh, post-secondary career. Another very unique characteristic of our program. Thank you very much for pointing that out. Those are extremely, extremely important aspects. So thank you. Yes, Um, now Katie. Yeah, technology. Technology. So right now we use, we really use three main platforms. We're we're using Google Drive, which is great. It's a, you know, it's a free product. It allows you to collaborate. Um, It allows you to, you know, store documents and information. You know, most people have experience with with Google Drive. So, you know, it's, it's a great product. It has great things. We use it internally keep documents, keep track of spreadsheets, you know, things like that. We implemented Salesforce and Slack in 2020. It really with, uh, you know, two main ideas in mind. Salesforce being kind of our our day-to-day documentation enrollment reservoir. So this is where all our student information lives. It's, you know, it's cloud-based, which is really nice. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of features for nonprofits and, you know, customization available. And, you know, we've been, and I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this, but, you know, we've been able to work with developers to kind of get it sometimes to do what we want it to do. And then we implemented Slack as a better communication platform. Previously, you know, communication was, you know, everybody has their cell phones. So I might be texting people, I might be calling them, I might be emailing them. Um, And because 
we're an organization that's embedded in the high schools. Our high school coaches are communicating with our post-secondary coaches. They're communicating with our student support team. So we have a team that is there to really help with the social, emotional, and financial well-being of our scholars. They might be communicating uh, with their directors about a certain student. And then our post-secondary team are supported by um, college success navigators at the community college. So we partner with Metro Community College and our navigators help students with kind of all things academic there at Metro. But what we were finding is, you know, you know, people are texting and calling and whatever, but there's no there's no record of that unless you want to ask people to then go back and document every communication that they've ever had. And as people change roles or maybe move on to new opportunities, you lose that information, right? That that some of that that information can be very vital in understanding that student and what they've been through. Or you know maybe last fall they kind of whiffed it and had to withdraw from all their college classes. But if that's not written down somewhere, I might miss it. So we've moved the majority of that information to Slack. So we also use Slack in a slightly different way, whereas most companies use it, you know, they make their channels and you, you know, communicate about big things. Every student in our program has their own private Slack channel. So we can put just the people that work with that student in that channel. And so the, the professionals can have those communications. But as people that use Slack know, Unless you archive that channel, it, it doesn't disappear. All that information is there. You can add new users to it and they can see the historical information. And so that's been really, really helpful with cutting down on the type of docu- like documentation people have to do because it, it's just there. It just lives there. And really providing a historical record of you know discussions about students or needs or planning that previously were lost, you know, because they were on somebody's cell phone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for going into that. Um, You know, having that real-time information is what's most important, not necessarily the archived information, but being able to access it and utilize it. So could you go into the Salesforce uh, a little bit further and what, how you use it and why? Sure. Yeah. So as Mike mentioned, uh, there is no other agency out there quite like us. So we have kind of had to make, we, we it's really hard for us to go out and find really, you know, a CRM or, or even a, an LMS that does quite what we want it to do because we, we really want to use it to track our students, their enrollments, some critical information that we need, like their their grades from school. We, you know, we request data from the school districts. So we get their GPA and their attendance rates and things like that. We get from the, the community college, their classes that they're taking, are they passing, are they failing? But we're also tracking some of our internal programs. So if our student support worker is helping a student to get their driver's license, we have a program where they can go through driver's ed with us. The We've partnered with the DMV so that they open for us on a Saturday so that our students, you know, because it's a big barrier in Omaha. There's only two locations in Omaha that do driver's license and one is in Bellevue and one is in Elkhorn. And, yeah. you know, more than half the city doesn't live in Bellevue or Elkhorn. Right. So, um, you know, and so we've, we've been able to customize and build records to help people kind of track. So, you know, a student, we might track them through saying, I don't have a driver's license or a permit. 
all the way through. I've done driver's ed. I did DMV day. Boom. I got it. Like I, I, I got my driver's license. I'm ready to go because transportation is a big barrier. We know uh, Omaha is not a public transportation friendly city. And so for a lot of our students to be able to get to work and school, they have to have a car. I mean, it's just, it's just critical. So we've had to really adapt Salesforce to kind of do what we wanted to do. And we've had some great successes and we've had some, you know, challenges or some bumps along the way, but because it is so customizable, you know, you can, you can build those records, you can build those workflows. I'd almost say the sky's the limit really, but uh, as this guy will tell you, the budgets, <laughs> the budget's the limit. And, and that is a, that is a problem. I mean, we're a nonprofit right. and, you know, and, and we often have to look at, you know, what, what is great, you know, what would be wonderful, what is ideal versus what can we live with now? Because, you know, here's, here's the budget and here's what we can afford to do at this moment. We, we started down this path with, uh, with your associate, Ryan Wade. It's, I'm going to say three years ago now, Katie, mm-hmm. has it been that? It's, yeah. You know, and, and we, kind of we broke out what we thought we were going to need into three phases and we worked our way and we've worked our way through those phases uh it's safe to say we as katie suggested and and ryan would attest to we've kind of we've made some changes along the way we went from a what we wanted with salesforce highly customizable to us to and we backed off from that so that the the basic elements of of Salesforce, we could take advantage of those within the system. And then as Katie uh, again suggested, started customizing bits and pieces to meet our needs. And I that that was the right approach. You know, we're, we're a smaller, well, we've got 30, approximately 35 employees here in Omaha, Jack, and we can't afford to have an IT person on full-time. So I, I came into my role as, I'm, I'm gonna say as a contract CFO, I look at LUTs on the IT side almost in the same fashion. And I, and I think this is going to be a commercial now for LUTs, and you can send me a check later. Uh, I, I think small organizations need to take that approach, not you know on, on the IT side, because I think long-term, that's the most economical way to do it, if you've got a good IT partner like LUTs is for us. But it does. there is some time where you or your associates at LUTs have to get to know us so that they really know what we need so we don't go down the wrong path, right? And uh, I've appreciated the candor and, and the working relationship from our side to your side and 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 the other way, uh, because I think in the end, it's been very beneficial for us. Right. So, no, and I, I think that's a great point. I mean, only until you build that relationship and understand your guys' mission and get on the same page in terms of communication and yep. understand the path we want to go down, then you can really see success, especially with technology, because these are not small numbers we're talking about, right? Especially when you've got budget constraints, you've got to live within those walls. Katie, you mentioned some challenges. I'm curious, what are some of the challenges you've experienced going through this path of technology? Oh, well, I would say for one, I uh, have no coding experience. So this is a personal challenge. I have no coding experience. I am I am now um, <laughs> a historian who's learning Java. <laughs> but uh, no, um, the, personally, some of the challenges for me coming into this role was just really not having a ton of technology background. I do love to learn. I can pick it up. It's no problem, you know, and, and 
Fortunately, you know, Lutz has found us some really great developer contractors who can do things for us, but are also willing to walk alongside and teach me, you know, because if it's something that I can learn, well, teach me how to do it, you know, and and then, so I've, I've learned Salesforce develop. I mean, I can, I can build custom objects. I can, you know, do some fancy things. I'm still working on the coding, <laughs> you know, I usually have to have somebody check that. But through that process, we've really learned that it's helpful, you know, developers are going to have wonderful ideas because they know the, you know, amazing possibilities that that the system can do. You know, there are so many um, wonderful processes. I mean, we could put in automated workflows to do really cool things that would, you know, save some of our employees some time. It really, the sky's the limit. But, you know, we don't have an unlimited IT budget. <laughs> so, you know, the challenge often is balancing what, what we need, what might move the needle a little bit on efficiency or just user friendliness versus, you know, do we have the budget for that this month, next month? Can we plan that project out? And really just having developers that understand what we do. So when you have a contract developer, you are one of many clients. You know, no one expects them to understand your day-to-day job at a very intimate level. But that's really what you need to really understand, you know, what what would make this job better or easier or flow better. So it's even sometimes just difficult trying to explain to somebody that doesn't really know the organization, here's what I wanted to do. And they're thinking, why the heck do you want it to do that? <laughs> this isn't, that's not really what it's made for. That's not what it's built for. But, you know, again, because our organization is so unique, you know, we are, we're not fitting a square peg into a round hole, but maybe, you know, we're trying to fit an oval, <laughs> of, yeah. you know, into, into, and, and it works. You can kind of, you know, fiddle it in and, and make it work, but you know, it, it just is what it is. Right. Jack, here, here from my perspective, sitting in the CFO ch- chair, and at that time I was serving a dual function as CFO and COO when we brought uh, Lutz uh, in the door. I, I think it's important if you're going to have the type of relationship that we have with Lutz, finding the, the challenges, finding the right person internally who could act as the liaison between the two groups. We were very fortunate with Katie, but she had an interest in, in technology. Uh, I, and I say this with all the love of my heart, she's a bulldog when it comes to information and wanting to understand how things work. I saw that in her when I, when I was part of the decision to move her out of the coaching role into this role. And I, I think she's been uh, an integral part of that success. But I, I, you, you've just got to have the right person. You can't pull somebody and just say, well, Jack, you're going to do this and uh, it, it's your new job from now from now on. You know, I, I knew Katie, I sense that Katie had, a, had a, a, a love for data and she does. Her love of technology or her interest in technology and her willingness to take on the challenge has been vital to the success of, of this implementation. So the challenge, I think, is is fitting the right pieces on our side with the right pieces on your side. Well, and I, I think that's 
so important to understand. And you guys are saying all the right things. I wish everybody understood those things because as you said, Katie, you've got a third party outside provider that's got a productized service. How do you fit your needs that are unique with that service? Well, it's through relationship, but you need someone internally to also champion that. So I commend you guys. What else from a big picture, Mike, what's been challenging for you guys in terms of growth and expansion and impact? Well, I in the 10 years that I've been with the organization, I, I, I found a couple of things that have happened, at least in Omaha. I don't know. I, I assume it's just not an Omaha phenomenon, but we we don't have a we don't fund our operation via, you know, bank sales and events, right? We have one event that's more of a friend raiser than a fundraiser for the organization, but we've been blessed with very active and larger donors. But what I've seen happen, particularly over the last five years or so, is that a lot of the the the, the major donors in Omaha are contributing. Some they're contributing to us and somebody down the street, and somebody down the other street, and what they've asked of us is, why aren't the three, why aren't your organizations communicating? Why aren't you, why are we doing, sending money to both organizations or to multiple organizations when in some ways you're doing the same thing? So our donors are asking for more information from us so that they're assured of their money being well spent. And I, I, I greatly appreciate that. So we've decided that we needed to be able to, to send information outward that was well-documented. We also certainly came to the realization that in order to judge our success, whether it was internal success or, or, or some sort of metric dictated by our donors, we had to be able to document that within our system and document it in such a way that every time somebody asked for some information, it didn't become its own major project, right? And, and so we kind of married our some of the external expectations with some of the internal metrics that we thought we needed to have relative to our students. You know, how are they graduating, GPAs? All that was in the system, but it wasn't easily extracted from the system. And, and our old system had been here since inception, that was FileMaker Pro, if we could say that, yeah. which we trans, you know, and that's what we brought Salesforce in to replace. And that was a very highly cut customizable. Every time we wanted a report, we had to go to an outside group to draft, make the report up for us. We no longer have to do that. So, but it, it's, we needed to marry external expectations relative to information with internal expectations and make sure they were coming out of the same database. It was, and we needed to do that to ju judge the success not only of our students within the program, but the success of our career coaches in dealing with those students. So, and Katie coming out of our workforce as one of our career coaches was in a unique position to say, "This is what I think. You know, this is what the system should be doing." Right. And and also being able to communicate with our coaches so that we weren't overburdening them. I mean, their job is to deal with our kids, right? It shouldn't be to deal with the system, but they do have to coexist. Well, and again, I think that's so wonderful how you talk about, you know, really your guys' product and service is the data that you give to the community showing that you're making an impact, right? No different than the product or service that a for-profit company gives. 
someone's requesting something, you need to provide it, right? So I think that, that that's a, that's wonderful that you guys, I mean, have been able to do so and, and use technology to do that as well. Katie, I'm curious, how, how did your role as a coach help you now with where you're at in terms of technology and more of an operational role? It definitely, you know, having been on the user side initially, right, when we first implemented it, I, I was a coach. So, you know, being the user, feel, you know, feeling that, oh, this isn't, this isn't working, or this is really, you know, kind of cumbersome to navigate to or work through. And then on this end, it really helps to be able to say, you know, if, if we made, if, if we made the investment to make XYZ changes, here's the impact it will have on productivity, on time management, just on general day-to-day workflow and and being able to you know have that realistic perspective of you know if we ask if we ask somebody to do this uh, uh, extra task is that overburdensome is that too much is that tedious having been in that role and it's it's also helped a lot of times because I am the the keeper of the reports <laughs> uh, you know somebody will come to me and say you know can you can you tell me, can you answer this question? And I'll say, yeah, that's a really easy question to answer. Or yes, but because of the way that we initially rolled out the system, which was kind of building it as kind of looked before and moving everything over, I can answer that question, but it's going to take a bit. I'm going to have to extract the the data and then work with it to be able to find the answer that you're looking for, but it's doable, you know, know, or, you know, developers will give me great ideas on improvements and I can say, you know what, I just, I don't see my users using, you know, doing that. I don't see, I don't see a benefit to my users in the way that we use the system, even though like, yeah, that product sounds amazing um, and it's cheap, you know, we, we could probably afford the subscription, but I might have three people actually use it because <laughs> because they think it's cool, but every you know everybody else is like this is just, this is this doesn't help me. So I it's it's easier to anticipate those things and then really narrow down to here are the two or three suggestions. You know, coaches, do you see a value? Yeah, I was just gonna say I think that 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 perspective is so so valuable being on the position you're in now. Mike, how valuable has it been for you to know that you've got someone that that can really point that out for you? Well, it, it, it's it, it's critical, and and again, I I don't want to end this a, after this conversation with you, Jack, is over. I don't want Katie coming to me and asking for a raise because <laughs> right? so he's not going to do I, it. I have to, be, I have to be careful about being too effusive. Yeah, in my critical, story. not valuable. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I, well, I it's been important because you know you can build something with all the bells and whistles. But right. by the time you get done, the you know the the situation internally may have evolved, and you no no longer need all those bells and whistles. So I, I think what we found is it's better to let's to to make small progress but meaningful progress. You can always come back once you get it when, once you're satisfied with where you're at at any given point in time, and say, okay, now we can add that or. Well, we thought that was valuable at the time. It no longer is, right? And so it's it's been very important for us. And again, we've had from your side of the the table some really great suggestions, but we've 
had to say, yeah, but we don't really need that, right? This, this is, let's focus here, spend our time and energy here. We'll be better off. And if we need that at the end, you know, when we get down this path, then fine, we, we'll, we'll decide on to add it then or not. And oftentimes the, the situation has changed enough that we've moved on to something bigger and better. Right. And, and, and so the, the, the dialogue that we have not only with the developers who are working on the project, but with the project management at Lutz has been critical for us. And, and again, it's been candid, sometimes uncomfortable, but always productive. That's wonderful to hear. Um, Katie, do you ever find, this is more my curiosity than anything, as you've been in this role, do you ever find yourself being a little bit removed from the field and the ground level and, and finding yourself with a disconnect in where, what they really need and what you're asking for? I think because we're so small that I don't feel that there is too much of that day-to-day disconnect. If we were a larger organization, 100%, I I, I do see where I I would drift. But because we're small, I mean, there's a, I mean, there are multiple times a quarter where it's kind of all hands on deck or we need help with this or, you know, bring things in that, I feel like I stay connected enough with our teams, but if there are, you know, whenever we, I have what I think is a brilliant idea, (laughs) I take it, you know, I take it to the teams and I, and I explain what it is and how it could work and what it would do. And I've had people say, Oh my gosh, yes. And then I've had people be like, "Mm, yeah. yeah." (laughs) So, you know, so, and if they say, "Mm," then, then we don't move forward. But they, they also come to me with really good, you know, really good ideas or just, you know, a great example. Last week, we just implemented an auto save function on one of on our main document. So every student in our program gets a career plan where it's really helping to map out their expectations and progress within the program, celebrate successes, be able to make goals and focus on areas to improve. But the thing did not auto save. And, you know, sometimes maybe you didn't click submit and you closed your laptop or all these different issues. And I had never really thought of, I, I actually didn't even ever ask the question. And one of my um, coaches said, you know, it'd be really great if this auto saved. And I was like, huh, yeah, let me ask. <laughs> and it was a, you know, my developer had it done in like 30 minutes, right? I mean, it was such an easy thing. So again, because we're so small, people just come into my office or as I walk through the offices to talk with somebody or just take a, you know, a leg stretch break, they're, you know, hey, Katie, what about this, you know, or when's this going to be live? So that communication is really helpful. I, I, I That's a, that's a great point, Katie. I, I think the openness of the dialogue, Avenue Scholars with Lutz, or internally with our coaches and Katie, it, it has been the key to this, one of the keys to the success of the, of the development that's happened over the course of the last three years. We couldn't be successful if we brought, if the coaches brought information to Katie, she was isolated, they'd see her two weeks later without any sort of dialogue in between. And she would say, here it is, right? It just, it, it just, it can't work in an organization our size. Right. And, and and so we've, we've tried to balance again, what we expect out of Katie, what the coaches, what we expect out of our coaches and try to do it in a, in a positive way, always trying to show the coaches, if this may take a little bit of time now, but trust us, it'll save time down the road. 
And I think we've developed that level of credit. Katie has of credibility with our coaches and, and they've been patient. We've been patient with them. It's got to work both ways from a management, you know, employee standpoint and vice versa. So we've taken advantage of that. And, and Katie's been the catalyst. Well, it sounds like the similarities in communication styles, both for Lutz internally and Avenue Scholars internally, might be why we get along and, and work well together, right? Those, those, yeah. I mean, communication is paramount. And so if we communicate similarly, that, that's why we get things done. So what's next for Avenue Scholars? We've only got a few minutes left. So what's, what's kind of your plan moving forward? Well, I, I will say one thing. We've got a kind of ever-evolving – you mentioned it earlier in the, in the, uh, the podcast, Jack, this intern Omaha. I want to I touch base a little bit on that yeah. because that's been a separate development here of our Salesforce initiative. And intern Omaha is, is, a, is a living, breathing organization here or entity where we're matching up not only our high school students, but also non-Avenue Scholars high school students with employers in the Omaha market. And uh, we're four years into that program now. We think we've built a pilot that's been successful, proven. Right now, this year, it's only going to, only our students, the Avenue Scholars students are going to be part of the intern Omaha model. We're looking for additional funding to, to expand it again into the full community. We took a little bit of a hit because of COVID, because employers were afraid to have interns come in from the outside. Everybody kind of locked down, but it's a living, breathing model. Uh, Lutz has been uh, responsible for building the portal that runs that. It's 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 a it's a, a interactive between students and Avenue Scholars and our career coaches, our uh, intern coordinators, if you will. And employers, it's it's a three three way communication. Excuse me, actually four way because of the the districts uh, are also involved in that communication. And and we think we've got a model that 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 works. It's not just a job board type piece of software. We've talked to people in in Des Moines who thought they had an intern model set up and it was really just a job board. That's not what we do because our kids need coaching along the way. Right. And not only our kids, but any high school kid needs to learn how to communicate and, and develop soft skills that are marketable. And w- the intern Omaha model that we've got in place, the, the, the software through LUTs and our internal processes have proven that that model, we've built that model and it, it, it's exportable. So I, I think we'd like to find other opportunities outside of Omaha. I think we're going to have an opportunity in Des Moines. We could transfer that model to Lincoln or to Grand Island or you name it. We could we could implement the model there, and we know it works, right? So I think that's and our internally our expansion. We've got now uh, intern Omaha's or excuse me Avenue Scholars Southwest Iowa and Avenue Scholars Des Moines. Uh, we were going to have some opportunities possible in other locations. That's the next evolution. And as Lutz has built the program for us. We now can take that software and uh, apply it in in uh, Southwest Iowa or or in Des Moines, and we can. It's it's being built so that we could have overall metrics and overall information for all three locations, but each location is firewalled off, so we've got information that just applies to that area, right, or the, the geographical area. And I think we're going to have we're going to work to continue to emphasize that part of the organization. 
Yeah, that's uh, I'd, I'd leave it to Keaton to what we might be doing internally. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. I mean, you know, there's there's so many ideas, you know, I keep a running list of ideas I've had, ideas other people have had um, to streamline, um, automate tasks, you know, be able to bring some of the things that we do in spreadsheets and, you know, paper applications and Google um, kind of pull it together into Salesforce. So, you know, there's a there's a lot that we can do and it's just, you know, when or are we able to, but I mean, really for me internally, moving forward, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking to find ways for us to be able to demonstrate our success, right? So, and not just Avenue Scholar success, but our student success. And, and we define success maybe differently than some. So, you know, for, for a lot of people, you know, success means graduating high school, going to a four-year landing, you know, a six-figure job straight out of college. And if you haven't done that, you're not successful. Not all of our students are on that path. A lot of our students' success for them is getting a certification. So at 18, they can make $24 an hour and make, you know, a livable wage, be able to support themselves while they decide what's next for them on their journey in five, 10 years but they always have that certification to fall back on. Or some of our students' successes, uh, you know, associate's degree in auto technology, and, you know, they get out, we help them purchase their tools, and they are debt-free making $70,000 a year at 21, 22, you know, while some of their friends are still going to college. So, you know, th- there's success can look very different. So we've defined success and and part of my role is to help show that in meaningful ways to internally to celebrate, right? Because everybody's working their tails off every day. We have to remember to stop and celebrate, but also to stakeholders and to the, our business partners and to the community and to people as we look to expand, you know, th- these, you know, we can talk about our graduation rate, but behind that, you know, 97, 98% graduation rate that Avenue Scholars has, each one of those is a kid who potentially had to work their butt off to really get to the point of graduating. And that's a success. Yeah, or just a, just a, this is a commercial. I'll just be flagrant (laughs) about it, Jack. Our kids graduate our program historically over the years at approximately 98%. The comparable demographic in the schools that we serve is a graduation rate in the low 70s. So our kids are graduating graduating at a tremendously high rate. Now, that's one measure of success. Everybody understands graduation rates or seems to. So we're very we're successful right there. But again, we're looking for our kids to be able to enter the workforce into a position that gives them upward mobility, comes with a with a, a better wage than they would otherwise have with an employer that's going to give them benefits and will help them grow within their career, whatever. And, and no careers anymore are a lot less straight line than they maybe they used to be in the past. So how do we help them along that path? And one of our, one of our goals is to associate with employers who will give our kids upward mobility, take what we've given them and uh, help them continue to grow once they leave our program. When a kid graduates from high school, a young person graduates from either high school or one of our programs uh, at the post-secondary level, we continue to monitor them for an additional six months 
and give them any support that they might need. So someone can be in our program from as short as two years and they're done with us when, they're, when they graduate or an additional two to three years if they go to MCC and then go into a position. And we wanna be there for them during that entire period of time. And, uh, uh, and, and so we need to start monitoring better. This is one area I think we're gonna have with growth on our technology is to do a better job tracking our alumni once they leave our program. That's, I think that's gonna be critical. If there's one area that I think internally we're gonna start emphasizing, it's the alumni group. Wonderful, wonderful. So, well, I think the, the audience for this podcast is going to be a wide one, a, a, a reaching one. So if anybody listening, you know, from an employee or a student all the way up to a business owner feels the impact and, and loves what you guys are doing, how can they help or get involved or learn more? Well, they could certainly, they can check out our website, which is uh, abscholars.org, Katie. So just A-B-E scholars, plural, dot org. And we've got all sorts of information up there about what we're doing, about some of our alumni. We always feature some of our students in that, you know, on the on the website. So I, I would suggest they go there. They could certainly call our offices. They could contact you and or Ryan Wade, and you know, we'll 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 accept. We're very interested in helping others help kids in education. Ken Bird, our CEO and founder is one of the most, as far as time, is one of the most generous per persons I've ever met in terms of sharing his knowledge about education, whether it's at the high school level or beyond, and that permeates our organization. So we're here to help in any way we can. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much. I had a blast talking to you today. Mike, Katie, with Avenue Scholars, I appreciate it. Hopefully we do it again sometime soon. I hope so. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.